0: It's your big presentation the one you've been working on over time for months you're halfway through things are going okay they're even probably going well until you look at slide 12 and someone from the audience pipes up maybe it's your boss or a colleague whoa 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 those numbers are wrong where'd you get them from someone else pipes up that they're actually the old numbers not even from the latest forecast don't they say don't you remember jim sent that email last week did you get that you're standing there, your stomach drops. Those were the numbers that you were given. You didn't get an email from Jim. You are 100% sure that this is the latest info. It's embarrassing. You're not sure where to begin. No one's even speaking up in your defense. No support is coming your way. You've been thrown under the bus. This is a horrible scenario that happens to too many people every day and touches really on the topic that we're going to be unpacking today, psychological safety. Hi, and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. My name is Jess Pollard, and I'm a business director here in the Sydney office. So whether you're a leader, someone working in the trenches to build a great culture in your organization, an entrepreneur or a career changer, this really is the podcast where we get into the big questions around what makes work great for people and great for business. So today, I'm joined here in the office by Rhonda Brighton-Hall, our CEO and the founder of MOI, and we're going to be digging deep into the topic of psych safety from both what it means for individuals, which is normally discussed, through to what is the role that we as communities and teams can play in creating a psychologically safe environment for each other. So welcome, Rhonda, and thanks for letting me pick your brains today.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure. And I I really love this topic (laughs) because it's not easy. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think your example is everyone will have had that happen to them. The mm-hmm. time you put the wrong thing on the page and how people respond to it. You know, if Jim had been in that room and said, Oh my goodness, Jess, I forgot to send that email to you, that's a very mm-hmm. different scenario than you're just hanging in the wind.
0: And I can just imagine that person, the rest of that presentations is a blowout too. The rest of it's done. Yeah, because that person's just in their head wondering what's gone. They're on. reaching for
1: a glass of water. Nothing can <laughs> save them. That's exactly
0: right. We've all been there. <laughs> So maybe you should start with the basics. What is psychological safety in the workplace?
1: It's, it is a great place to start because the definition that everybody wraps their head around is purely individual, which is the Harvard Business Review typey thing. Let's use HBR um, definition for today. And that's a belief that you will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns or mistakes. Now, that's a mm. good definition. But actually, I prefer the definition that goes back to Amy Edmondson's work, who originally put down this idea in 1999. Mm. And what she said is, there's a shared belief held by members of a team that the team is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. Now, the difference between the two is that one is about, am I safe? And the second Mm. one is much more about, are we safe? And there's a role in it for yourself. You have to feel safe to do your best work. Mm. But there's also a role in it to create safety for other people.
0: I hear the collective accountability. It is collective second.
1: accountability. And, and when we lose that understanding that's collective, it can it loses its meaning.
0: Well, it's you can't create it just by yourself, can you?
1: No. <laughs> you need other people around you. Like your example, you need people, you know. Stepping in. Yeah, gosh, I didn't send you that email. Stupid. I should have done that. It's just small things that create a space for someone to make a mistake and it's not yeah we can talk about what it's not but yeah well, so it's not constant mistakes
0: <laughs> that'll be quite different. So what does it look like in practical terms?
1: Well we think it's got four elements to it you yeah. know having done a deep dive into how this comes to play. So the first one is what we just talked about which is information information sharing and accessibility that information flows to you when you need it as you need it in the moment not. When you remember to ask, or when you know to ask, mm. it's a very unsafe environment. Thing, oh, I don't know the, I don't know everything, and I don't know who to ask or when to ask it. Mm. So, information flowing to you in a in a reasonable manner without you having to pull it towards yourself. Second one is that you've got support from your team and colleagues around you that people back you and you back them. There's a, a good feeling of camaraderie that you've got each other's back mm. on a bad day. We all have them, you know, mm. but you're there for each other. The third one is this reaction to mistakes. It's that it's mm. this. Not you are useless. You need to leave the field. But actually, wow, you know we've all made that mistake, and um, it's okay. And what are you going to do about it? So there's certainly not you've made a mistake. Let's just keep making them. But it's very much the reaction to mistakes is that we've all made those. Learn from it. Move forward. Get better. And there's an expectation that everybody will do that. And the fourth thing is that it's fourth thing is it's absolutely reasonable to ask questions to garner understanding or clarity just Mm -hmm. to remove any ambiguity that was stopping you from really running. Mm -hmm. And so those four things, info, support, reaction to mistakes, and the opportunity to ask questions. They're the big four. There's other things, Mm -hmm. but they're a really good start.
0: And what I like about those four is it takes this concept out of the woo-woo and into what can I actually do in my team in order to create that environment.
1: Yeah, practical stuff.
0: So devil's advocate, why is this important? Why should I care about this from a mental health and well-being perspective?
1: Yeah, so without asking you to read the library, (laughs) how do we give this to people in a nutshell? So there's so much research on this. But when we feel safe, we are more confident. And because we're more confident, we have more trust. Confidence Mm -hmm. is very much a trusting of other people around you. Um, you become more creative because you can throw out an idea and maybe I have three ideas today and two of them are terrible and one's great, but I throw all three out and the team will help me sift through the the one that's great that we're going to use. Um, And there's an opportunity to collaborate much, much faster. Once you get confidence and trust and creativity coming into play, this collaboration really kicks off. And we've talked before about the ANU study that looked at the correlation from trust and collaboration. They're very tightly linked. Mm -hmm. And it means that if you ask me a question, I answer it Whereas if I trust you and we're in good sync with each other, we feel safe. You ask me a question, I answer it. Then I tell you the answer to two other questions you didn't know to ask. Mm-hmm. And there's a generosity of collaboration in that. Um, and the final piece of it is just simply respect. Like that, mm-hmm. not that feeling of, "Oh, thank God that wasn't me out the front with that presentation error, but actually mm-hmm. we're all in it together and, and I completely respect that you're as good as me and that we're equal, of equal value and that we should be treated properly. Mm. Mm-hmm. And all of that results in, if you get all of those elements running together, Mm. um, you decrease uncertainty and ambiguity because this Mm. is you can ask questions, you're not left hanging Mm. for a while, Um, and also reduce defensiveness. And defensiveness is this one that really stops a company in its tracks or stops Mm. a team in its Mm. tracks or even ourselves. Like someone gives you great feedback, you're like, no, I'm going to bat that away Mm. because I've had it before. But if you can reduce defensiveness, you really open up an opportunity Mm. to grow together.
0: And also around questions of, you know, if you're looking at people perform at their best from somewhere between that four to seven year mark, Yeah. you want to keep people in your team. Like it's so <laughs> basic. You want to retain great talent. You yeah. want them to share. You want them to teach. You want them to care and reach out because that's what's going to keep people coming back every yeah. day.
1: And connected to each other. I mean, no matter how fabulous you are you know someone your team thinks you're a bit of an idiot but if they're connected to the rest of the team that's okay like you're all sort of interconnected as opposed to relying key person dependent on one person or one leader or whatever it happens to be you're actually getting the team to come together which is you know really valuable
0: and sort of linking in with that so what almost like the business case side is it then like (laughs) you've done sort of a bit of chatting especially in our office around the role with innovation yeah do you want to chat a little bit to that
1: well, I think the, the role with innovation is in that element of trust and collaboration. I mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know, maybe I'm maybe there's smarter people than me, but I whatever great idea I can come up with, someone always can make it better. Or
0: well, they and, see it a
1: different way. They see it a different way. Or they add to it. Mm-hmm. Or someone else comes up with a great idea that I could never have come up with and I can add to it. So mm-hmm. that role to sort of build on each other's ideas. You you know, you're smarter as a group than you are as an individual and so it has a massive role in adding to creating the environment, people can throw in an idea, someone else builds on it, builds it out. It's there's a real value in that. And that's when you see really strong innovation inside a team or organization. That's what's happening. And also this reduction in defensiveness. And using information as power. So when people get defensive, they don't collaborate, they hang on to it because they think, mm. i got to hang on to this. They know It's the only thing I've got any power from, this piece of information or data that I've got. Whereas if you don't feel that you need to be defensive, you give that away and everybody's got it and we can all move a lot faster. There's an ability and a power almost that when you feel included, when mm. you feel that you're safe... To then create that space for others to join brainstorming, problem solving, complex problem solving, wicked problem solving, whatever it happens to be. But you can only really do it for others when you're in a space where you've got it yourselves.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I have a friend who's in London and he had two different experiences with two different sales teams. And the first one he went in and he got given, A, there was literally no onboarding, but then there was no one that had helped him. Lean in, tell him some tips about what had worked, what hadn't worked. Yeah. And he just found it so hard to actually engage and then sell from yeah. a practical perspective of what he was meant to be doing. Yeah. He went to the next organization when they had much better onboarding process. Everyone was asking, how can I pitch in? This is how I approach the pitch. This is how I go about it. Yeah. And he wow. was like, the difference in um, A, feeling like I'm a part of something that I want to be a part of through to... Like, my actual Being success. Yeah, I'm, I can be much more successful, yeah. much more quickly. Yeah. yeah, So, like, the agility of team, the effectiveness of change, whether it's onboarding
1: change. You've been here for two years. You've made 17 mistakes. You can tell me what they were and I can not make them. And so, therefore, I'm much faster getting ready. So, if you've got that sort of environment, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely true. He will have gone into with that really good onboarding. He's just avoided. The engagement gap is just. minimized and also Mm. he's got this step up of everybody else's lessons where he's now starting on a much smarter base than probably his colleagues who had to learn the hard
0: way Mm. so now away from onboarding how does psychological safety actually enable you to deal with the tough stuff the the first
1: piece of this it's it's actually really important at the moment because we've got a lot of tough conversations Mm. at the moment so um, the first one is a decrease in ambiguity. And when things are really ambiguous, there's a, you know, some of us like more ambiguity than others, but if there's too much, then we can't be clear in our space. We can't be clear on what we're accountable for. Mm. And so there needs to be, well, I've been check that in because you could almost do two times the required work because you didn't really know where your boundaries were. So you're doing everything you could possibly think of as opposed to no, Rhonda, we just need you to do that. You know, great. I can mm-hmm. do that brilliantly. And now like I was supposed to do this, um, expectation to reduce learned defensiveness in Um, private boys schools we actually call it a flinch mechanism you know as you come around the corner of the lockers you're probably going to get punched so you you you
0: brace (laughs) yourself Is that a technical
1: term? (laughs) Well, it's actually um, the story that came to me from a very good friend of mine who's a, a very wonderful clinical psychologist. And he was saying he learned to flinch mechanism for his whole high school years because coming around the corner of the lockers, that's probably what was going to happen to you. And so it was almost like crouch every time he came around. So it's a reaction to insecurity and fear, and that's what defensiveness normally is. Whereas if you can reduce someone's insecurity, that they feel secure, like they belong, like they're welcome, like it's expected that they turn up with what they've got then they're not as fearful and so that enables you to ask dumb questions when we don't know a particular lived experience and we need to say in the diversity space where something's quite sensitive a bit eggshelly. but if we can ask a question genuinely curious mm-hmm. um, I think that allows us to have a very different conversation than we would if we oh, I better not talk about it because that's not my space to talk um, there's an openness um, towards gratitude and empathy for contribution for others so as someone contributes people would say wow, that's awesome, thanks so much, That was I hadn't thought of that. Mm. And that creates an environment of positivity where people go, wow, last time I got that someone said, thank you, I'm going to try again. Um, and that becomes a bit of a circle mm. of of a way of behaving for each other. Yeah, it's
0: always mm. interesting thinking about it just purely in a virtuous cycle setting or a vicious yeah. cycle. Yeah. Every time you do a piece of work with someone, what is the behaviours and the habits and the mindsets and the reciprocal sort of generosity that you're – creating
1: yeah that yeah and Mm -hmm. and being super conscious of the impact you have on other people i think it's we have it anyway um whether we're silent or talking or appreciating or showing gratitude Mm -hmm. whatever it happens to be Um, whatever that is we have an impact on each other
0: so let's make it as
1: positive as we can make it
0: so if i'm a leader or actually no let's broaden that anyone right now looking to create a psychologically safe environment for others What are the things that they can do?
1: There's the practical things we mentioned, like actively making sure everyone has the information they need, making sure that you encourage questions to be asked, all those sorts of jazz that we just Mm. talked about. But there's some more fundamental things underneath it, like um, role modelling openness, just being open to other people's perspectives, ideas, things they might throw out into the room that might be interesting. Um, We're dealing with a beautiful client at the moment that actually their key belief is that every single person might have a great idea and you need space for it. I thought that was... Mm you know, absolute openness supporting each other and someone has a bad day and we all have them then just sort of leaning in a little bit harder or they make a mistake leaning in a little bit harder to support them through that because don't throw them under the project bus <laughs> <laughs> Under the project bus and also make a joke of it or something that makes it feel like the moment's going to pass the know? right joke the right, the right joke, right joke. <laughs> yeah, not the not the joke at them where the rest of the room yeah. laughs that is a bad joke um asking wel- welcoming questions into your into your team or to your group wow that's a great question i hadn't thought of that before anyone got a thought on it or an answer mm. um responding constructively and thoughtful to challenge like you know that didn't quite work what's your feedback here's some feedback for you say wow that's great feedback i should have thought of that thank you so much so you're sort of mm-hmm. seeking understanding and feedback rather than defending your position so all of that sort of gives you this this role in creating that virtual circle if that's the right way to put it this circle of Yeah, people can ask questions and I welcome them. I support people. I'm open. And really, we can do that from any role in the organization, but certainly from a leader's role, it becomes incredibly important because that's the one you feel the most.
0: Mm. And I mean, considering all of the things that we're exploring socially and in businesses at the moment, there's such a long list. I won't even name it, but I'm sure anyone on the other side of this podcast can imagine. You know, how is psychological safety What's the key role that it's going to play in these big conversations?
1: Yeah, so the, the big conversations we've got at the moment, whether it be, you know, Black Lives Matter, mm. Aboriginal Lives Matter, Asian hate mm. coming over of America and now being called out in Australia more often, Canberra issues that we've got at yeah. the moment. I mean, they are really big conversations, but they do... If it goes black and white and I'm right and you're wrong, then it, you can't have the conversation. So you'll have a large part of your organisation that won't know the topic or won't be familiar with that lived experience, um, mm. hasn't experienced it personally, for example. They've probably got a bunch of questions and they could learn, be more empathetic and understand, but only if they can ask questions. And mm. so you have to create this environment where in the grey that's in those situations, you're not just going, I'm right, you're wrong, but actually... We can ask questions, we can talk about different lived experiences, we can understand perspectives that we don't agree with Mm. um, and we can start to be open to uh, being more informed on the whole conversation Mm. uh, because there are nuances. Like, you know, every one of those topics you could think of, there's a right side and a wrong side to be on clear. Mm. But there's also let me understand how that feels and if you can't have that conversation, then people can't really be as empathetic as they would if they really heard a lived experience that was so you know, terrible or whatever it happened to be. And it means that every person in the organisation needs to be open to conversations that are nuanced. And and mm. people don't like that. They want to, you know, I read the paper this morning, I am right, you are wrong, here we go, as opposed to, wow, this is a topic I didn't know much about, I just read this, but I'm also really interested in whether you've had any experience with that and how does that feel and do you experience that here at work? I mean, could you imagine a conversation around Asian hate and you sort of got this view that, it does or doesn't happen here. And then you find out it does happen. But it's mm. even more important to understand if it's happening inside your own environment, your mm. own organization or the coffee shop near your office or whatever it happens to be. Because then you can actually step into that and and be an ally and be useful to somebody. Mm. So, But you need to hear it. And that starts with the conversation. Mm. I, th- I think there is an element. I'm also really conscious of time, but I think there's an element of... Organizations and you were talking about this this morning. I thought it was a great way to put it. Is conversations that used to be outside the organization and now the they're walls? In it. Yeah, they're in it. The walls are completely permeable, and so conversations. We're in the middle of society and these organizations. We've been talking about that for a few years, but you need to be able to have societal conversations in house without yeah. slamming anyone who
0: doesn't agree with you, and realizing that in your house is going to have be people that think totally differently on these things or have totally different experiences on that
1: yeah i thought that was a really interesting one mm. um is that when we talked about um vaccinations there's this view of mm. vaccinations are bad people you know anti-vaxxers are bad people who don't get science right that's the view mm. but there's also this group of extreme scientists who are anti-vaxxers now mm. that was news to me so it's like this conversation of I'm still a big believer in vaccinations, but I'm fascinated that this, these people who don't are not just one group of people who are just wrong. They're, mm. they're very different sorts of people. They've got different views and different
0: whys behind them, which creates different conversations. And as an organisation, how do you move forward and yeah. find the right way for you when you do have disparate views?
1: Yeah, and I think acknowledging that any time human beings get really emotional on a topic and those topics are deeply emotional, it would be impossible not to be emotional on those topics, um, they're messy. Mm. And that's sort of how human being relationships are sometimes. And so you need to just to be a bit patient with the conversation, not leaping into the only opinion is mine. But actually, you know, wow, that's wild. Mm. There are three or four opinions on this topic, not just two, which mm. is tends to be where we come from.
0: Curveball question. Can a workplace be too psychologically safe? <laughs> um, I think... You can't
1: be too psychologically safe in the terms that we've been discussing it. But there are a couple of examples where if you play it too much, I think it can become a problem. So the first one would be if you said you, you got to the extreme version of making a mistake. So someone's made a mistake, they've owned it and they have fixed it. It's psychologically safe. Um, someone's made some mistakes, um, they don't fix it and they make it again next week, and they don't fix it and they make it again. Like sooner or later, someone will be very upset and you'll have a performance issue. Mm-hmm. Um, another one would be you ask a question for understanding and learning and learning a new perspective. This is great. But if you don't listen for the answer and you ask the same question again and again and again, this is not psychological, this is annoying. So <laughs> I need to think about that. And the third one would be with this conversation that everyone's having at the moment where Is it okay to have a different perspective and to share views that could be harmful to others? And that's the the other flip side to it. Mm. Because if you're so safe that people can say whatever they think, whenever they think it, just quite randomly, Mm. um, you have to have some boundaries around that so that your team, and that goes back to that collective nature of this, is you have to have some boundaries where people uh, know that they can't be harmful to others. And so if your big opinion that you need to espouse at 110 decibels in the middle of the room is deeply offensive and hurtful to other people in the team, then you can't espouse it. You're going to need to think much more deeply around how to be respectful, how to be thoughtful, and how to open up a conversation where you could be one of the opinions but certainly not the only one and certainly not doing harm to everybody else in the room. So how
0: do you measure psychological safety?
1: It's such a good question because we sort of want to go... Is everybody single person in the whole team psychologically safe? And yes or no. But it's actually harder to do because the less safe your organization is, the more gameable that score will be. So if I don't feel safe and you ask me if I'm safe and I feel very unsafe and I feel like you're going to find out it was me who said we weren't safe.
0: Don't disclose, don't disclose.
1: (laughs) So now you've got a whole bunch of people going, yep, yeah, we're all safe, mm-mm, we're good. And and that's like the worst score you can get because it won't give you any indication of what you need to do or what you might need to address. So instead, you need to go back to the questions that will actually tell you what's happening. You know, does information flow easily to you and are you getting the things that you need? I mean, when we measure belonging, it's got this element of psychological safety And we do talk about those sorts of things. Does information come to you? Is someone supporting you? What happens when you make a mistake? These are much more important questions than yes, no, tick, because that's going to be the super gameable one.
0: So let's replay that scenario that we started with to finish. All right. It's the big presentation, the one you've been working on for months. You're halfway through and things are going really well. You get to slide 12. The numbers are wrong. In a great, psychologically safe team, Rhonda, what would
1: happen? Uh, in a great team, then ho- hopefully Jim, who sent the email but didn't send it to you, <laughs> would say something like, oh, those numbers were corrected a couple of days ago. I I'm, apologise. I'm, I didn't, I didn't realise I hadn't sent it to you. I'll get it to you this afternoon and we can update that. Happy to help.
0: And maybe he would have even sent you the email so you didn't make the mistake so that the presentation <laughs> wasn't derailed and you weren't <laughs> thrown under the bus like so many positives in
1: (laughs) that i know and then offering to help like if you're the person who's left the person without the info they needed then saying let me help you like it won't take a minute for us to fix that so what you're doing is also scaling that problem down this is not Mm. the whole presentation is ruined it is over but actually this is a tiny thing we can get together it'll take five minutes and so the rest of it's great i really want to hear the rest so you can instantly give the person back their voice in their space, take ownership of the problem that's happened because you didn't share properly um, and keep people going.
0: Yeah. Trauma avoided. Trauma avoided. (laughs) And a much better outcome for individuals, for teams and for the business. Yeah, very much so. So it's probably a great place to leave it today. Rhonda, thank you for letting me pick your brain on this topic. You've been talking about it. For weeks and weeks, so it's great to get it on the podcast. Years <laughs> years. <yes. laughs> That's right. Uh, and thank you on the other side of the podcast for tuning back, tuning in. We'll be back in a fortnight. Uh, here at Mar. we're really passionate about making the people and culture space practical and accessible for everybody. So if you're interested in learning more about our knowledge base, culture reviews, the culture dashboard, of which we sort of alluded to with the belonging index in this podcast, consulting or even virtual reality, um, please get in touch so it's a big moi from the team and I and stay in touch jump on our newsletter and or, and you can email us at team at moi.live or visit our website at www.moi.live that is a big moi from us thank you <laughs>